Welcome to the APL show. I'm Adam Brzezewski. I'm Richard Park. Today we're doing another episode of on APL Primitives Extravaganza. This will probably be a long intermittent series of episodes with all our dreams and hopes and fantasies about what... Right, I mean APL's like been uh, in progress for, for 50 years. More, yeah. More. <laughs> You know, so there's no, um, it's not like, not like the story's finished. It's not like we've done all the primitives. Well, there's, there can always be more primitives to add, but it's not always it's a good idea. Fantasizing about them is, of course, always a good idea. Yes. Before we get to that, uh, just a couple of announcements, uh, some upcoming events in uh, this next month or so on the 9th of may fin apl have their spring meeting it's a actual physical meetup so if you're in northeastern europe and uh, then that might be something to look into and on the 15th on the other side of the globe then the tokyo apl jk meetup is happening so if you're over there might be something to look into there and then um just recently Dalek published the formal proposal for the APL reannotation. That's something I've been working on uh, on and off since 2015 when I saw a talk by Phil Last at the APL user meeting in Sicily. And uh, now we have the formal proposal, finally, which I think we have to change a little bit. But that might be happening by the time you hear this. Yeah, well, that's the point, isn't it? Of getting the that's putting the, it out yeah. there for feedback. Exactly. That's why we want to discuss all of these kind of things and even discuss, you know, primitives and so on. APL goes on forever, at least apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so far, in the history of computing, APL has always been there. Yeah, um, <laughs> more or less. And and the design decisions that they, that are made for APL are really important because we stick with those. And APL is not really uniquely, but it strongly maintains backwards compatibility. Very little old APL code will not run today on any modern uh, APL interpreter. And that's really a, a core value as well. So we really have to be careful about the design of things. And mistakes happen, absolutely. Um, and there are various things that could be done about that. But uh, array notation is a little bit different than what has kind of ever happened before. There was the addition of strand notation, which is just a juxtaposing things, make them into a vector. Um, but this would really extend the syntax, really adds a, a, a bunch of new syntax to APL. We don't want to mess up. So feedback on that would be good. We'll leave a link. And with that, let's uh, do primitives. So last time we spoke about primitives, we went through the primitives that are uh, supposed to go into dialog version 20.0, probably like next year or so. Yeah, if all goes well, if they don't, if yeah. don't find major objections. Or issues with implementation. I don't think there would be. Uh, no, they not, seem, uh, yeah. 
It's not that there's, it's going to be, there's nothing controversial there. We're talking yeah, about yeah. the select primitive, which is just filling out the last parts of indexing. Um, nothing special really there. And then there is the, um, the depth primitive, which is very much like uh, rank. And there shouldn't really be any issues there. Some performance issues might be interesting in the implementation. It kind of has to recurse on this. It can recognize certain cases and do those faster. And then there is uh, the reverse compose or before, behind, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you uh, should probably figure out what to call it before. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't personally care much about the names of, of APL primitives. I don't think of them in terms of the names. It's only necessary when I communicate with other people um, by voice, like podcasts <laughs> and then uh, yeah well exactly <laughs> and, and and you also also adapt the name according to what you're trying to do and even if we give good names to things people will just use other names like who says index generated well, well, index the, generator 10 right was this the whole 10? array cast thing about the combinators and uh like, like they've not because this is another well, it's an operator. It's not really compositional. It's like one of these. Which one? Uh, oh, there it is. Sorry, this is exactly compositional. Yeah, this is exactly in the realm of those, you know, combinators that like have been written about, people know about, but no one's got a good naming convention for them. Yeah, right? they're, they're hard because they're kind of abstract in what they do it's yeah, not exactly. very concrete and it's not that you cannot really draw many parallels to our physical world which you could with other things like reversing an array and transposing and so on we call that flipping uh, i think k calls it flip and transpose um but the uh, applying one thing and then another one mm -hmm. i mean you could call and then a top would be and and then but then it's in reverse order of the reading order F and then a G and then F. Yeah. F after. And then that's the temporal thing, which isn't. This is what BQN does. Right? It calls them the temporal things before and after. Yeah, I don't mind that. I guess we've got the problem that we've already called some things things. The spatial things beside a top, mm. over. How, what's the difference between a top and over anyway? <laughs> and then I was looking at that. We have this. this uh, page on the APL wiki for uh, German names for things. Oh, yeah. Germans like using German names for things. <laughs> uh, and I was trying to use Google Translate to translate a top and over. That doesn't really work because they just end up being the same. Those two words are synonyms, right? <laughs> so Yeah, the, the thing that's... Uh... I guess in the diagram of like function with arguments either side. This other th this is another thing, right? Is that we're doing it in the in the syntactic paradigm of like Iversonian APL languages, which is like prefix, infix, and then your uh, operator suffix, infix, long yeah. right scope, right precedence. Whereas other whereas in the sort of functional world at large, they don't have this. Would you call it a limitation? They don't have this way of thinking about it, right? An argument is actually just a list always. Yeah, or I guess the syntax there's, oh, there's... is a list of arguments always. I've seen complaints that API has complex syntax, which I don't think is the case really. 
but there is a syntax and the syntax is good and it makes it easier for people to manipulate expressions and there is a syntax whereas you could say that for something like the, the things written in lambda calculus and um like the uniform yeah the uniform function calls you know function name open paren argument come argument come argument close paren that kind of thing you can say there isn't really any syntax of course this is a syntax by itself but it's a kind of i think of it as a giving up on trying to make a good syntax same thing goes for yes. the the lisp style which is just function name then all the arguments right after it and then parenthesis around the whole right, thing but sometimes we revert to that in in apl2 when you have a function where it's in principle it's like takes some number of arguments but actually you're passing a vector of some length or it could yeah. be you know short and then you're filling in you're saying the first one if it exists is this the second one if it exists is this other thing um you don't even get that niceness of i mean it's where array notation actually it might open a bit of floodgates towards a slightly more pythonic thing if you can write a literal namespace right uh, as like key value pairs, then you get that. I don't know if does JavaScript do it as well. I know Python yeah, does. Sure. Where, where in the list you can put name equals value, and then you're sort of you don't have to worry as much about the order of. Yeah, what, sure. I mean, you can you can feed a JavaScript object to a JavaScript function, assuming it knows how to handle that. And things like uh, I remember jQuery has this duality of syntax. You either give it parameters, or you give it an object that, that has all these well it's always always some kind of method right but but then but the argument to it is either a namespace meaning a javascript object that yeah. has that's populated or partially populated and then it assumes default values for things that are not populated mm. or it is uh just a list of parameters yeah, in, in, in the order and we actually uh, yeah we kind of have that in dialogue Except we don't actually have the namespaces there, but for things like uh, quad WC style right, object that's generation, kind of what I was thinking of. Yeah, or as the prime I mean, example. There, there you can either give them ordered arguments, which is a prefix of all the possible parameters, or you give them name value pairs, which are not namespaces, but it might as well have been a namespace notation, just a, a clunky one. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, and and to bring it back now, and now we need to rope. Connor into this because <laughs> because because so if you don't have uh this idea of applying to a left they do must think about they must think about it in terms of an infix right if they if they have different names for combinators in the functional world no no it's not an infix on, at all depend on if so what's the difference between a function applying to oh it's you've got two arguments in a list and it's whether you like do something to the first one first and then the second one or the first or the second one first yeah. and then the first but one. They, but generally that you just uh, choose so an, left an, and right is it right no yeah. no and generally you just choose an order to make it look oh, but nicer that's a combinatorial that's, i guess that's why it's called nightmare isn't it because that just goes <laughs> on forever right if you've got oh what's the name what's the name for a, a combinator or a you know a function composition operator higher order function that takes six arguments and it does this thing to the first three and does yeah. something to the next one and then something different to the next two like 
Okay. So, yeah, there's I mean, no there's no end to it. Just I mean, give up then, yeah. There there aren't nearly <laughs> enough bird species to give names to all the possible <laughs> combinators. Um but which is yeah, I think that's also by so it. by yeah, APL BQN taking a stance, at least you get to limit Yeah. That. Right. Once once you want to go above two of each thing, uh, arguments operands, then you have to choose a different way of of doing it, which is going to be less elegant, but more general purpose. Yeah. It's a list of things. And I guess they have that in that world where they're like talking abstractly about function composition. Uh, got there's like letters. So now there's letter names. Yeah, there's yeah. I just remember what the letters are. But that means also that they actually have a list of a distinction. Um they would not distinguish between um what should we say the forward and the reverse compose? They don't distinguish between what well, we would say, you know, F and G, and we pre-process the right argument with G, and then feed that into F for the main processing, or pre-processing the left argument with F, and then feeding the result into the main processing with G. From the combinator uh, perspective, those two things are equivalent. It's just a matter of which value goes where. Mm. But for an APL that's trying to design some kind of uh, domain-specific language or make, clean up his code, that makes a world of a difference. So um, I even have this idea that it might be worth adding a primitive, which is exactly like the exponential power function, but with the arguments reversed. And that's the only difference from the current power. Um, and and people might say, oh, well, that makes no sense, right? Those are, uh, that's the same thing. Why would you do that? Right, what's next? You want to do minus the wrong way too? <laughs> With yes. <the> division? <laughs> Maybe. Minus division mod. Well, our mod is. Mod is already fixed, already, but this division yeah. is wrong. <laughs> um, but But my argument is that the power we have is the inverse of the logarithm where the base goes on the left. So it's e to the power of something and then it's the e logarithm of something or say the 10 logarithm of something and the uh, 10 to the power of something. Yeah. But there, there is another type of power which is the inverse of the root. So it's the third root in this cube root of something and so too it would be the third power of something also mm -hmm. because uh as opposed actually to um traditional mathematics the parameter goes on the left and the main data on the right so when i'm squaring a number it's clear that the number is the main thing and the parameter is the two for the square when i'm yeah. taking the cube root of something it's clear the parameter is the three the cube thing and the main data is the one that's being cube rooted um, and so the inverse in of the square what, root in what notation? Well, I mean, for the it, roots, no, just the normal root symbol, yeah. And and there, some APLs even have that's only because it's because well, it's little. No, no. Yeah, the the three goes on the left. The the yeah, the n goes on the left. But it's not because it's little. It's I mean, even if in those APLs that have a root function, there's just a big number on the left. But even there, surely you would say that the three in this cube root is the parameter. Yeah, not, so not the main data. 
Right, but what aspect of that in the notation indicates that it's the parameter? Well, it's just that it's on the left. Parameters go on the left. And the function that does not take a parameter, it just does its one thing, doesn't have a parameter on the left. Well, now it's just like the semantics of how you are... Uh... I'm thinking about divide now, of like how you frame, how you phrase that in your head. I want to have something or split it in three. So or you divide to, by to, two. Yeah. But, but the parameter is the two, not the main data. Well, like for the traditional symbol, it goes on the right. On the, exactly. Right, it's wrong. It should be on yeah. the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why mod is like that. You barely ever want to do with the end mod of some constant. You always want to do uh, constant mod two of mod of, of something or 10 mod or something or right. whatever it might be. 256 mod of something. That's the, the parameter there. And then the main data that's being transformed is on the right. That's how division should should be too. And then that would change the language completely because then monadic division would be what exactly? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, okay. But then I'm sure something could be figured out. <laughs> Tearing down everything here. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. We break everything. We just say it, it's wrong. We want to fix it. So it has this consistent uh, sort of, what do you call it? I don't even know what's the word for this consistent semantics or whatever, or syntax yeah. really. But I mean, it could be. Um, right? Why is why is monadic division in APL the reciprocal? Because then it works out that you can have a default value, which happens to be also the um, the identity element, but whatever. I'm not sure that's actually the right, same with minus. Same with minus and, and almost plus except for the conjug complex conjugation. Yeah. Uh, and like that's, zero plus. But that was shoehorned in there later. Oh, the complex conjugation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, but if we hadn't had that, let's say that we weren't restrained or that's had, or Iverson had decided not to stay with the order of arguments in division, then maybe division and multiplication monadic would be something else. It could be, think of it like this. So, um, it's the same, yeah, same thing go for minus, right? So let's say mm -hmm. that mi minus was fixed like that. Let's say that, that, uh, monadic minus would be decrement and monadic plus would be increment. And then monadic, uh, monadic times could be double and monadic division could be half. Because the parameter is on the left, so it's mm. divided by two, for example. And then monadic power could also be square, right? And monadic root would be square root. Then they all fit. And then everybody would get so confused because minus is not working the way they expected to. Right. But I think I Mat MATLAB that... has, uh, has backslash as divide left. As in... Like, oh, things. it's the division, but the other way around. Yeah, slash and backslash. Yeah. But it's like you're saying, uh, I want to divide, I want my data. Uh, it's true. Most of the time you want a bunch of numbers divided by one thing. Yeah, a constant. More, more than you would want one thing divided by a bunch of parameters. Like yeah, very often we do halves of, exactly, yeah. or twice the value of something, ten times that. I mean, 
100 times that. You're doing like, yeah, these uh, arithmetic series, you know, different series and stuff, then you might. Yeah, yes. That's the problem with trying to make something general. I mean, right. yeah. And, and so there are cases when I would use division and subtraction the way they've written, but often <laughs> they end up being commuted. <laughs> so, I'm just saying, okay, there, there, there's no end to the number of primitives you could add. Like, yeah. But the question is, is it a good idea? Eventually the vocabulary becomes so big. Looking right. It's the, the question day. really is, I mean, we were looking at this on uh, the, the formal descriptions of, no, no, we were past finite processes. What was the last Iverson paper we were reading? Um, yeah, that was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, formalism in programming languages. Formalism in programming languages. And the discussion we there is We should fill in a little bit of ba background here. Internally at Dialog, we go through old APL paper and Iverson papers to educate ourselves and be better prepared for developing the language onwards. And so we are going through them in chronological order, uh, a selection made by Roger Huey. And we have now read the formalism in programming languages. We can link to that. That's a really interesting paper, actually. Yeah, this one's really good. Um, a, the people in the group seem to like it. But B, it kind of ties together because the previous papers we were reading are clearly like building up stuff, right? And the... the um, Aspects of the notation change quite a lot, right? So we talked about this on very early episodes of APL show, the the Iverson notation sort of pre-APL APL. Proto-APL. Yeah, so it's got, it's not linearized, it's got superscripts and subscripts and things like that. But the discussion, I think, in, in this paper, the formalism and programming languages, really reflects, like, it's the core, it's the, like, what is a, a primitive in APL and why should it be one? Um, which is like, what are you trying to do? The discussion, what's the language for, right? Uh, Iverson even says, I don't think it's possible to make one language that will be uh, good for everything. It. Yeah. yeah, it won't make everyone happy. No. But like in every aspect, right? Because you're going to, for specific uh, applications, you're going to want features close to hand, which is what, well, I'll talk to that, I'll talk to that point in a second. You want features close to hand that other people are going to think that's kind of, uh, I don't really need that. I mean, one primitive that we still have in Dialogue APL that kind of is like this, I'd say is a domino. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the one ma in Matrix like, division, matrix... Uh... Inversion, yeah. which is like, yeah, if you're solving, um, you know, simultaneous linear equations, <laughs> or even power equations, you know, you can you can map them, but down to that, right? Oh yes, um, see Apple Cart <laughs> starts doing some logs and stuff, yeah, um, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you can do all kind. I'm sure that that's exploited a lot just through transforming things until or approximating things until they're linear equations and then and then doing some inverses yeah um but you know a lot of people doing business applications aren't aren't reaching for that a lot and the people who are reaching for that a lot are actually looking for features to do with like highly optimized high performance specific cases where you might not need every 
like value computed exactly or you know things like that um so a question of whether that should be a primitive but then iverson does say about okay but what he's aiming for is like a core language that can then be extended uh in ways that you know are going to be generally useful or the core language is so generally useful that its extension you know, makes sense, I suppose. I'm paraphrasing a lot here from like half remembered. I'm trying to <laughs> also trying to scroll through and see if I can get the exact quote, but I'm not like good at speaking and and uh, skim reading at the same time. I think maybe the domino uh, is a step too far, but here we go. I submit that no one can design a language that is equally useful for everybody. Instead, what you would like to have is a single core, which you can extend in a straightforward manner um duck while the lisp people throw <laughs> things at us uh, <laughs> for, for claiming that the apl is the core that you want and not not the lambda calculus or whatever yeah. um, <laughs> but, um to each their own i prefer apl syntax yeah so what do you so so then you know what people traditionally do and still do is make the extent the straightforward manner of extension in apl is a DSL, the domain specific language. And it uh, often end up, ends up looking really nice. Yeah. And, and, and pleasant to use. Um, you just like name small snippets appropriate to your uh, domain and then, and then write the code in a way that ends up reading quite naturally, which is and so nice. some people would then argue that you should be allowed to give meaning to additional symbols that are not currently defined. I um, am slightly in favor of that, but not I. The drawbacks, the the risk is I can understand is very high. Well, yeah, it all it it leads down a slippery slope. If you allow that, then you must also allow overriding meanings. Otherwise, you can never extend the language further. And if you allow overriding meanings, that means you cannot trust the primitives to have their original meaning when you just see some APL code. You yeah. jump into a code base, maybe the primitives have all been redefined or fixed or whatever. And, and, and like the... I could argue that um, for a for any given code base, the effort to understand like the DSL that they've set up could be comparable to I might as well just remap the meaning of the symbols. Yeah. Now, if you get really used to the symbols, that's hard. And then the other thing is. Yeah, really in two minds about it. You know, people define terms all the time anyway. Now, not common. Yeah, no, they even read, they even repurpose common words. This is like the whole thing about naming uh, these combinators, right? Yeah. Not, we're not talking about birds when, <laughs> <laughs> when people are using birds. They're just like using words that are, I mean, that one's completely arbitrary, I guess. Um, so yeah, people, re people repurpose uh, tokens and words all the time. It's not. It's not even a. I mean, I can't say it's not even a problem because it's clearly a problem. Sometimes, right? <laughs> the alternative is we need to like get comfortable with like inventing new sounds that don't belong to the language we're speaking, and then. <laughs> no, but I really like the distinction in APL. You have the symbols. Those are like set in stone. They can only mean one thing. Uh, well, migration level, whatever. Um, mm. And then you have uh, system names, which begin with a quad. Right? User can't create more of those either. 
they are whatever ships with the system that you that you're using and their interfaces to all kinds of useful stuff. And then you have user-defined names, which are not decorated, but they're also just in, in Latin letters. Um, and maybe that could be extended, so you could be allowed more alphabets and things, though homoglyphs might be a problem. No, so the point is that the the Latin glyph, you know, the names that a user chooses mm -hmm. defines the application. And then, and then everything else, if you need to go deeper, you can... You know, you understand what the what that DSL is made of because the APL is consistent and it's just glyphs, and people haven't added new squiggles and repurposed glyphs. Although, again, you know, Duck, well, Aaron Sue throws a, a, a shoe at you because he's, you know, a, f a fan of he has he has one letter uh, names right, which is kind of is that not a um, Kind of symbol thing, a kind of symbol. Yeah, he's like trying to be yeah. symbolic with it. I mean, I do that too, but they can still be. They can be mnemonically chosen. They can be chosen for the shape of the letter. That's it's true. But I still know mm. the Latin alphabet, and I know the APL alphabet. If you want, uh, yeah, yeah. And and I can instantly recognize whether this is something that I need to make sure I understand the meaning of, or not. And yeah, you could use the same name over and over again to the point where you forget that it's something you defined. Aaron Sue did this thing with the indexing function. Oh, yeah. I. Uh, yeah, and it shows us on slides and things and never bothers to define it because it's just a given to him. Right? Oh, oops, didn't define that. Well, because it's always the first thing he'll define. Hopefully that will go away with select. Um, and then... I quite like the choice of I, capital I is the letter for that though, because of its sort of visual similarity with like, um, you know, square brackets and squad. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it's like square, square brackets is the original APL indexing and that's like, yeah, two square brackets, but clearly there's a gap horizontally between them. Yeah. And then we introduced the, the function version of indexing, which is a squad, squish quad. It's called squish quad, but it's not a squish really quad. Wrong, it's actually, right. it's a squack it. It's squack <laughs> it. It's just not calling it that. It's, a, it's, it's the two square brackets without a space between them. But if you just keep going, you just keep pushing them in that direction, then yeah, you get the letter right. Exactly. It's to the, the vertical part. You know, I, I, have, I rescind my support for the select primitive. I say we just we just establish a convention of, of defining I at the beginning of every <laughs> single application, like Aaron Sue does. Oh, it's something like the I-beam. Uh, oh, gosh, never mind. Been... <laughs> I'd take it all back now because, well, the font has to be... Yeah, yeah I mean, I-beam is low because it's really up-tech, down-tech on top of each other. I mean, printed on top of each other's so vertical yeah, yeah. parts. And also, you oh, shouldn't well, see that in raw in, in APL code. No, but that's just because of <laughs> how we use it. But that symbol might have been good for indexing. Yeah, it's like a capital lowercase uh, iota. Uppercase IOTA is just an I. Yeah. Let's say index, indexing, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, it's a, it, a never ending discussion whether, right, whether and, and... we should be allowed to redefine primitives or not. Or well, okay, or okay. Primitives. So mo moving on to the primitives that we'd sort of lined up to talk about uh, here. Um... I spoke about some of these in, in Germany. I was just at the APL Germany spring meeting. And um, I basically re redid my talk from. Dalek 22 about 
filling language gaps. And then I added two more primitives that are kind of under discussion, which, which I like to call promote and demote. Um, I illustrated them with the German Air Force shoulder decorations, uniform soldier decorations. They use these. Right, those are uh, chevron. Yeah, exactly. Uh, symbols, which is like a carrot, C A R E T, kind of like that, <laughs> or a or downwards or an upside down V <laughs> shaped. Yeah, yeah. Is that even that has a name? Upside down carrot is called like it has a. Slavic sounding name, Hatchek or something. Oh my. Um, You're right, naming symbols is a <laughs> lost cause as well. It's yeah, just, forget that. It's all hopeless. Anyway, oh, yeah. So Karen. Promote... It's also called the Karen. Oh, why. there's a Karet and a Karen. Is that Karen. Karen. Oh, a Karen. Yeah. Chevron, a Karen. Chevron, Chevron is many Karen. Uh, no. I don't know. What's a no, Chevron? No, I don't know. It's the thing that's on roads. But it's the same shape, and also the car company Chevron has, you know, co-opted that no. symbol as their logo. But it's originally it's, it's a road marking thing. A I circumflex, think. yeah, right. Or so it's not. I don't know if it's originally a road, road marking, but I know that it is used as a road. It's marking. used. It's used to indicate which way you should proceed. Right. It's an arrowhead. So, yeah. You could also say. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so uh, I like to call them and sign and or sign. <laughs> uh, but not the ampersand no <laughs> yep. or two two vertical bars anyway so these are the symbols that are proposed um, yeah but that's the, that's kind of minor the idea is that that they if we talk about arrays in terms of rank Right. So an array has a rank, and that happens to be the same word as military rank, which I guess is not a coincidence because it's something about like how uh, you order things. Yeah, but why is it the same word? Why is rank military rank and and array rank? Why do we use the same word for that? I kind of want to say, oh, that makes sense, but does it really make sense? Well, Mili array... high, high military rank, you, I guess. Yeah, it's higher number. Of, it's just a like, what's the number of dimensions? So that's a way of ordering them. I guess you could see as a as a super uniform, no pun intended, military, where you have one person who leads the entire military, the commander in chief, whatever, it depends on which country you're in. Um, and then this person has multiple uh, people under that oh, yeah. each run their part of things and they have multiple people under them that run their, their part all down to the atomic uh soldiers. soldiers that are just you know cannon fodder soldiers yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you can't split those up more because then they die right and then um it's not we shouldn't make fun of that really. we just don't have a uh we don't have a mac well okay 15 uh the, the the current implementation of dialogue military goes up to 15 but in theory it's not not finite, you know. There's always a bigger. Yeah. Well, how many layers are there in the, in the actual military? I don't know, but I mean, there are many. There are different rank ranks, but, oh, but actual, you know, platoons and I don't know what they, these are called. Yeah. Group units, whatever. Um. Anyway, right. so I guess that's the that's the analogy of the rank, and then and so, 
the highest rank is the most all-encompassing array that has sub-arrays of, of lesser rank. And the idea then is that just like a soldier or, or somebody in the military can be promoted to a higher rank, which means they'll have more people underneath them, at least in some of this idealized uh, picture of a military, of an orthogonal military, um, then you can promote an array to be that of higher rank. And you can also then, by analogy, demote... Um, if, I guess if the array isn't behaving right, you demote <laughs> so, um, to a, a, a lower rank. And this means adding and removing axes. Importantly, it has to be leading axes so that everything is leading axis oriented and you can use the rank operator to dictate where in the array the new axis is inserted or removed. Mm. Right? So let's say we have a vector, it's rank one, and we do a promote on it, we get a one row matrix. So it's a collection of vectors, but there's only that one row. And then if you promote it again, then you get a one layer, one row, three-dimensional array. And you can, and they can demote it again, but demotion doesn't just work when you have a length one leading axis. That, that's a simple case where you just, then you just remove that leading axis. But if you have uh, something else than one, then you can still demote by collapsing the leading two axes. So for example, let's say we have a three row, four column uh, array, a matrix. If we want to demote it, then we collapse those two leading axes of uh, three and length three and four into a single length 12, because there are three collections of four each. So they all combine into a single collection of 12. So in this case, it would be the same thing as reveling it, which is monadic comma. But for higher rank arrays, that's not true. Um, and uh, we can do this with a special syntax that I very much dislike, uh, which is the square bracket axis on monadic comma. So comma is revel, as you say. That will do that on a any dimensional array. It gets demoted all the way down until it's completely flat. Yeah. Um, but it, you cannot control, you cannot limit it to just some leading or inner dimensions, but then the square brackets add this extra kind of meta argument controller. So you write square, comma, square bracket, one, two, close square bracket, then your array, and you will only merge those two. That's special syntax. Hmm. And similarly, you can add a new dimension by doing comma, square bracket, and then a fractional axis. Yeah. And that will insert a new axis between the floor and the ceiling of that number. This is very, you know, <laughs> That's, that one's maybe the worst offender in my opinion, because, you know, what is this fractional thing? And so what if you're really close to one axis, then it rounds off to that whole thing? I mean, cut CT. Yeah, it, yeah it, it must depend on, well, it depends on some kind of fuzz. I'm not sure it actually depends. Well, in on practice, you see, I think people using 0.1 or 0.5. Yeah. And that's about it. Yes. I don't, you know, you would be crazy to start putting all kinds of random fractional numbers, even though it will accept them. <laughs> Well, if you, I mean, I guess it's convenient, right? If you want to insert an axis between two and three, then you write asterisk one. That's E. <laughs> if you want between three uh -huh. and four, you do circle one. That's pi. It's, <laughs> it's shorter than writing 3.5 and 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but, uh, I mean, the, so the nice thing is, if you want to model this, you can just assign your favorite letter to, <laughs> uh, well, comma, square bracket, uh, quad AO minus 0.5, if you that, want. Doesn't actually really work, because it will evaluate quad IO immediately, oh, and then... Mind. It's stuck there, even if you uh, okay. Cool. Let's say that's a placeholder for your, your See, that's, quad that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it's, no! It's, you just no. You wrap it. You wrap it in a defen. <laughs> yes, you wrap it in a defen. So open open You don't need to localize it. There oh, you can do it gen, uh, using quadio in the formula because it gets evaluated every time you run it. Ah, and then it will it'll look for the yeah. yeah but so it's not can... the calling quadio technically. It's not. It's the lexically oh. scoped quadio. It's the quadio where you wrote it. So better to so localize. You need to, sorry, you need to make a tradfin <laughs> that looks up the quadio <laughs> of the calling space. That's horrible. Um, don't do that. Wrapping and, a tradfin. Yeah. What is there another way to do it? Depends what you want. If you want a lexically scoped quadio, no, no, no. I mean, in a way that doesn't use the square brackets for the for the comma. Oh, you could, can yeah, you can you... transpose. If you transpose the two leading axes to be at the end of the array, then you can ravel rank two, and then and transpose back, back again. Yeah. So that that would work. And this, and to insert an axis, there's a trick I do, currently because you don't have a better thing. Uh, I don't like using the square brackets, which is a mix on the ravel of the enclose. Oh, okay. So this, the way this works is that in close, then we get a scalar that contains our array. Then we ravel that, that gives us a one element vector. So what mix really does is it, it mixes up or, or merges outer axes and inner axes. So the inner axis might, there might be two axes and there's an outer axis, which is a single axis, which is outside of that enclosure. And then it, it breaks the wall between them and merges them together. So you get the outer axis that has length one, because we just raveled the scalar, prepended to the inner shape. So you get one and then three, four, if that was our array. But of course, this is, is a bit silly to go via enclosure to increase the rank. Um, I mean, so one of the, I say common, I use it mainly, yeah, well, I guess it's, not too uncommon when I'm exploring things. Um, and then also when you're, you're teaching and sort of showing the results of functions, like an application of this promote, demote, or really promote specifically is you have an array typically of vector or a matrix at most typically. Uh, and then you have a function that applies to that and returns, you know, it's it's in some sense scalar probably yeah no i guess it would be right it applies to the array but does something to each of the elements and returns an array of the same shape and you want to put the input and the output kind of next to each other so that you can sort of compare across and see what the function's actually done so really common this is with like a vector um Especially if you're doing some comparison and you want to check that the comparison is applying to the values, it's it's giving a one for the for the numbers in your list that you that you hope it is. Um, so you want to stack the the boolean result on top of the input vector, and 
Yeah, I do flip-flop between I'm already writing a defense, so I'll just parenthesize the output, parenthesize omega next to it, and put a and mix, mix on the left. Yeah. Or uh, So that's, um, that is the sort of multiple element in a vector equivalent to your what you just described, mix, comma, enclose. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes if I'm doing it like inline in the session and I'm feeling a bit fresh, then I will do your mix, the top, comma, over, enclose if simple, or just in, over enclose. Enclose, yeah. Uh, but it's obscure, right? <laughs> yeah, that's you know, just, a lot to describe. I just thought about something. You can, with the array notation, there's the square brackets with that diamond separate or new line separated square brackets. Um, each section there separated becomes a major cell in the higher rank array. So you can define a matrix by open square bracket, expression, diamond, expression, closed square bracket. Yeah, that's a two-row matrix. A two-row matrix. So that means you can do this too, right? If you want to stack things on top of each other, you can just put square brackets around them with a diamond between. It's pretty tempting, that. I mean, it's still adding three symbols instead of, well. Yeah, and it's not like three, the, yeah. the thing of the difference between. So this is, so that's, uh, I don't know, yeah a way you can use the array notation syntax to coerce this behavior. But the promote primitive idea is a more core fundamental like array concept, um, which like you say, we only have as currently as this sort of ad hoc syntax. And, and, the, and the usage of it is awkward. Um, if you wanted to what you're describing with promote would be um, comma bar, so that's um, first axis concatenation over promote. So you take two vectors, you promote them to one row matrices, and you stack them on top of each other. Right. Right. It's obviously it's also you know in but, the square brackets it's comma with the the first half, whether that's negative point five or, or positive point five. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so dyadic comma that you concatenate, which is then with a square with axis operators, is laminate can actually do this. But if you try to use it as promote, then it gets then you need to parenthesize the comma square bracket part after the over. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise, uh, yeah, the order of stuff goes all wrong <laughs> because the square bracket has long left scope like any other operator mm -hmm. uh, so it so we will try to do the the catenate first over um revel and then apply the axis to the entire thing which doesn't work because axis is ad hoc syntax and can't apply to that so that's awkward as well but then you can use laminate which is concatenate with a with square bracket axis which is another one of those ad hoc stuff. And that means concatenate along. Oh, so so inside that, if you put an integer axis, it will concatenate along that axis. So that's like first axis, like using rank on on first axis concatenation. But if you use a fractional axis, then it will do both. It will both create a new axis mm. and join them along that axis. But that's. That's, in my opinion, a bit too much. Maybe one of them you want to add an access to and the other one you don't. 
Although even that, you can always append a vector on top or below a matrix and vice versa. It will auto promote there. So maybe there aren't so many cases where you want want to use this, where you couldn't do other things. You can no, well right now you can always do something else. Yeah, of course you can. The question of whether you want it, you want to eat a glyph for it, is, and this is one that it's it's really hard with all of these, where especially where you've got uh, APLs now or any like of these array languages that do have a you know clearly a very adequate set of primitives already in that people use them every day to, <laughs> to yeah, actually do I'm... stuff is it's hard without having the the models to hand and um you know to to really know whether it's worth uh eating the glyph indexing the the select one uh you know that we're proposing for version 20 of dialogue is like almost certainly because you know, you're you're always making a little micro decision about uh, about your code every time you select things from an array. Every time you have to choose, not only okay, so which type of indexing is sort of given and the circumstance because you know you generally only, you either want to select you know disparate. Uh, scatter indexing, you know, random pieces, or you want to select um, some rectangular subset, whether that's contiguous or not, but whatever. Uh, or you, you're picking into a a nested thing. So that's all given. But you have to choose which syntax you want. Like which one's going to be the nicest looking in your expression. So that's always annoying. So it's sort of, and, and it comes up all the time like every day so it's the worst one's obviously squad where what well, you, you don't want to select a sub like a lesser major cell um you know like from a 3d array give me the rows or something or you know the third row from the second uh matrix i don't want that i wanted uh matrices three and one or whatever yeah Almost you know, always, I, yeah. You, you almost always want to basically do like vec do like vectors, but on the higher, higher rank. ranks uh, cells or the major cells. So you you can do that by enclosing the last argument, which just makes me think uh, with the uh, before or behind uh, composition, you could just write enclose uh, before squad, yeah. yeah. Anyway. But that only accounts for one of the users, right? That's only that only fixes the issue with the selecting the major cells of an array. But there's still multi picking, if you want to call it that. Yeah, right. Multiple so uh, scatter points uh, things that you can't yeah, easily do like depths. this. Yeah. Well, then there's the, you could do you could do uh, the chipmunk. Uh, it's mm. pick each enclose, and and uh, so there are ways to do it. It's just none of it is very elegant or intuitive. And really, indexing the basic indexing function, which is which is selecting a subset or a permutation of an array, really should. I mean, that is a very fundamental uh, thought concept, in my opinion, and that needs to be a single symbol. No question about it. 
should have. Yeah, been. so this is what, that's what I'm saying. That one makes a lot of sense. Uh, even though it doesn't exist today, why why it's sort of it, it was, would be worthwhile. But um, well, Aaron Sue has it. It's mind. just I. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, as a promoted demo, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it's so rare. I I feel like I have to reach for them a lot, but maybe it's just because I'm teaching things and stacking them on top of each other. And Mix can always do it. Mix is less safe, by the way, because it will pad if things Mm. don't conform. Whereas if you promote and stack, then if things don't line up, then it will error, Mm. which I think then is a good thing. Make sure that you didn't. Sometimes when you do like a, a pairwise reduction, then you forget that it uh, it lessens the length by one because it was one result for every gap between adjacent elements. And then if you try to stack it up, then you can get paired with a zero at the end if you're using mix, and that might not be the right thing to do. This will warn you. So yeah, um, been an application. Let me see stacking stuff. You're usually coercing one side into the higher rank first in a way that's not padding. Like, do you do a lot of stacking higher dimensional stuff? Not a lot. I do some. Not a lot. Maybe you put matrices up on a 3D array. Do I do a lot of stacking of higher rank arrays on top of each other? No. No, I don't think I do. But I then that... I, that's that's like the the paradox of every right. programming. The most of the arrays people use are scalars and then some vectors <laughs> and a little bit of matrices, right? Um, I had an example of of needing this kind of thing, which was um, Chronica product. So you can describe link to actually. Well, no, I'm going to be confused because I think there are a few things called Chronica. So yeah, get the same guy. Does he just um, did he just do loads of array? Oh, they they, they tend to. <laughs> um, so it, it's really a very simple concept. It's really oh, just an, yeah, an outer yeah. product, mm-hmm. right? So you have two matrices and you just do an outer product between them, but instead of so that would normally give you a, a rank four array, mm. but rather than uh, having a rank four result we want a rank two result we want a, a a matrix back again so we 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 look at the outer two dimensions as being um uh i don't know how to describe this really we, we, the, it's like it's like you have a matrix of matrices right yes yeah. right, four dimensional array is like a matrix of matrices and then you just join them up to make yeah one big matrix. Big one, yeah. So you just glue their sides to each other, top and top and bottom, right, left. Um and for that, that's exactly what, what the moat would do. Yeah, right. And you demote, it would, would you demote twice or would you demote? Yeah, demote demote twice, because you, you add each time you demote, then you're demoting You're merging the merging two axes. Yeah. First two. Yeah, yeah, so you need to merge the first two, and then you need to merge some inner two. So you need to use the rank operator, but it's not it's not very complicated, really. Mm. And really, that kind of hints that maybe promote the mode is not the right thing to do, because if you look at the at the, um, because there's an alternative. You say it's an outer product between two matrices, but is it the same as if you? Uh, 
If you do it one time, yeah, exactly. It is the same thing as enclosing one of them because of scalar extension. Um, but and then you do a uh, a pick comma compress. No, sorry, pick know. comma reduce. Pick. Yeah, first remember, first concatenation reduction and yeah, and also a concatenation first axis reduction, <laughs> first axis reduction as well. Um, but that's that's highly inefficient, right? You're doing it like that. Well, this is, you know, this that's another one of my general qualms about this aspect of language design where you're, like, making, uh, developing the language in the direction of um, I want to manipulate... How, how how can I phrase this? I was going to say in the direction of I just want to manipulate arrays, which sounds like a well, duh, like you're developing no, an array-oriented language. I, I think what you're getting at is that you'd like to express yourself in the way you think of it, and not worry about the underlying representations of it. So you say it's highly inefficient. Yeah, but the way I think of it is okay. You've got these. Yeah. Each element from this array is multiplied by the entire one of that array, and then we have even looks right on the screen, and that's what I want. Now <laughs> I just want to to merge these, just glue them together. So maybe that I mean that's also the curse, isn't it? Is we have this distinction in APL APLs of mm -hmm. uh, nested depth enclosed arrays and high dimensional rank ranky arrays, and they're not the same thing primarily due to like raggedness like how they treat raggedness the fact that you don't like the high rank thing you have to like pad and but it's more stuff. than that it's it's more than, the way i think of them is uh in encapsulation my enclosures allow me to define the level at which i'm working so a, a very simple example of this let's say i have a text hello mm. and then if i if i do 10 reshape hello then i get a single character vector, hello, hello. Yeah. 10 characters. That's because the unit I'm working at, the enclosures, implied enclosures, whatever, are the scalars that are there, the simple yeah. scalar characters. If I want to work on the unit of the entire text, then I enclose it. Now at 10 reshape that, I get 10 hello, 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 hello. I mean, hello, 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 hello. hello. <laughs> um, yeah. And 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 the same way here with these matrices, I want to work on the unit of the entire matrix. So and each one gets then multiplied by a scalar from the other matrix, and then I just want to merge them. And and so I think there's a uh, is that issue? There's a kind of conflict between on one hand, I can use these enclosures to encapsulate what I want, the units that I want to work on, and then express myself in a natural way, at the cost of performance because. Yeah. As far, as far as I know, no APL interpreter is is well geared to handle those nested cases performantly. They can't figure out what the equivalent. Uh, and, and I mean, in, in the example we're talking about, the only difference is that like it feels conceptually harder to imagine a, or rather, the display form of a four D array is not the matrix of matrices that you're imagining right. in your head, whereas the display form of a matrix of enclosed matrices is exactly but it, that. but it could be there was a recent discussion in the APL farm and about how would what would be a better way to display arrays and 
somebody suggested that every other dimension could be vertical on the screen and every other dimension horizontal. So then you would see a rank four array as a two-dimensional array of two-dimensional arrays um, with proper indication of what's nesting and what's ranking. Basically. Yes, of course. Um, uh, so the design it, space that explodes. Yeah, but uh, but it's it's possible. I it bothered me then that we don't preserve the revel order, but maybe that's not really a big problem. We don't anyway. We don't preserve the enlist order if we do it nested. Uh, right. So, um, and I think duality is a good thing to have. It's and there are things you can only express properly in high rank array model. The things you can only express properly with the nested thing. Uh, yes, not yeah, different I models, do. but yeah, so data structures you can't really express. Yeah. Um, so I agree with that. There's it is really only specific applications where you're doing something and it turns out it's equivalent to this other expression, you know, that might be more performant or you know more. Or but then you, how you're thinking then you can fine tune where it's important, right? So sometimes you can find flat alternatives and algorithms to your otherwise nested thing. And if you only do a little bit on the nested thing, and it's not performance critical, then yeah, the, the way you think about it is probably fine. But if it is performance critical, then or something you do a lot, then it's worth investing in finding in the compare uh, the 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 equivalent flat version, which is not the way you think about it. But you can learn to reason in that direction. Say this is the same thing as that. Right. Yeah. My, uh, it's a big question, isn't it? It's like there is this wealth of like these techniques historically, but when you learn, when you're teaching people and stuff, it's obviously often easier to just go. Well, I'll just enclose and do each partition uh, and apply on each, uh, whatever, because yeah. those. But even there, there could be a primitive missing, actually. And so when we have this matrix of matrices and we want to join those into a single matrix, then we have to concatenate along each axis, concatenate reduction along each axis, right. and then we or have to disclose or whatever. Well, the modeling choice you can only do if you then increase the rank instead. So if you do a full mix. mix oh, mix, sorry. Right, right. We've got the... So yeah. If you've got the enclosed one, then yeah. you need to, to merge the, the inner and outer axis. So it's like mix. Maybe mix is maybe not the best word for it. Mix is an, is an inner and outer axis concatenation. We're here, we need a different thing. We need inner and outer uh, axis um, merging or uh, yeah. Yeah, colla collapsing. Because we want the leading axis, the outer leading axis should be the same as the inner leading axis. And the outer trailing axis should be the same as the inner trailing axis. So you have, let's say you have a two by two matrix of matrices. So then e, so then you want the, you basically want to, to enumerate all the, the row numbers you have. So the first matrix has rows one, two, and three, and the second one has rows four, five, six. And then you want to join those together. So you have one final array that has rows one, two, three, four, five, six. And the same thing goes for the columns. That's a different type of operation. And yes, you can write it currently in APL and the general form is really awkward. It's, it would be a, a, uh, a reduction over 
the collection of axes with mm -hmm. the array itself. So for each dimension, you go in and join those. But it's not very elegant. <laughs> and there's <laughs> there's definitely room for a primitive that could do that. And and BQN has that interesting. Um, I think J has something like that as well, but it's not as general. This the is raised... join. Yeah. Uh... yeah, it's a it's a generalized multi-dimensional uh disclose concatenate reduction. Yeah, right. That that doesn't destroy its data uh, by by messing with the other access. That's a that's another candidate. Somebody suggested that would be a good candidate for the magnetic meaning of the of the right shoe underbar. So if you use right shoe underbar for select, dyadic is select just like the right shoe is dyadically uh pick. Mm. And then but monadic and uh, right shoe is is a disclose. Question is which type of disclose and that's a difference between uh implementations of APL. Is it the disclose by just taking the first best element or is it disclosed by disclosing all the elements and joining them together mm. and forming higher ranks? So that's a, a mix. Um, and but it's a definitely a type of disclosing, and this merging operation of merging all the axes is also a type of disclosing. So it kind of makes sense that would be right shoe on the bar, like that. Um, and maybe, yeah. I mean, there, there are different possibilities. Unfortunately, we're mainly talking about this for dialog APL, and dialog mm. APL uh, went with the original specification from the nested array system that the right shoe. Is first and up arrow is mix, um, whereas APL two and its can mm. have it the opposite, and so it kind of doesn't sit well with me that the mix type thing is the up arrow, and then the the the, the merging operation would be a right chewy thing that sort of mixes mixes things up. <laughs> then then I got this idea that maybe you could use something like greater than magnetic greater than. That's kind of like a right shoe, but it's angular. Um, and that oh, yeah. then I could justify it a little bit by saying um, up and down, that's rank. So remember the proposed symbol for promote, promote and demote was yeah. this up arrowhead and down arrowhead, whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, mix and split or monadic up arrow and down arrow, they also change the rank, at least in, in the normal cases they do. Right, by combining in, they take inner axes and add to the outer axis. Uh, outer axis, um, so that in, normally would increase the rank. And, and split does the opposite. It takes a trailing axis and hides it away in an enclosure. It's the same thing as enclosed rank one, um, and so it lessens by, by one the rank. So anything that's up and down pointing, that's increasing and decreasing rank. And same thing with promote demote, just up and down pointing arrowheads. Um, left, right, that's for the depth. So if you do a, a left shoe, right, that uh, increases the depth. And a right shoe, because that's enclosed, right? Or even even partition and partition enclosed, they in increase the depth by adding partitioning. Yeah. Whereas right shoe lessens the depth. It opens up, right? So it's a, it's a first... Uh, it takes the first element that has one less depth than the, its container, or um, or pick, 
which also lessens the depth by digging into an array and picking something out. And so too, it should be right left for this merging thing, because that also lessens the depth by combining the inner and outer axis, just gluing them together rather than concatenating them to each other. Um, and and so it would make sense to make that greater than the possibility. All right, you underbar. That's also a possibility. This is yeah. The possibilities are endless. Yeah. <laughs> so you have um. You I interrupted us by talking about a couple of things. One, you have dialogue extended, and you have dialogue APL vision. Oh, so these are now you're talking about the GitHub repositories. Places yeah. to actually. Uh, dialogue extended is try dead. things. Right. Uh, dialogue extended was was a wild ride of like try to extend everything as much as I can. Um, but it was ultimately killed by Dalek version 18 because I, so what I tried to do is just like to extend the domain in a natural way of every primitive, not trying yeah, to add yeah, yeah. this uh, useful functionality. So for, so for all the comparison, the scalar comparison functions, less than, less than, equal to, equal to, and so on. Yeah. What I'd done was, um, I thought that a, a useful default left argument would be the prototypical scalar element. So for characters with space and for numbers, it would be zero. Um, and then th that gives you some interesting functionality. That would mean that monadic less than is the function is positive. Because right? mm -hmm. it's greater than, if, it's, if zero is less than that, than the argument, than the, the array, then that gives you all the positive ones and, and less than equal to would be, is it non-negative? Yeah. And so on, or and and equal would be is zero, and unequal is non-zero, which is often very useful, right? Um, and for characters, it gives an interesting split. It happens to be that in Unicode, the space is exactly in the split between control characters below it, and ASCII zero through thirty-one, and non-control characters ASCII thirty-three and up, and so it would allow you basically to say. Um, if you say greater than and some text, it will give you ones for all the control characters, and what and and greater than or equal to would be all like control characters in white space and and all. If you did uh, less than or less than or equal to, you can with or without space, without and with space, say what what are the printable ASCII characters or printable characters in general, whatever. It's kind of cute. But then eighteen zero dialog uh, added monadic different from unequal mm. to be the, the nub sieve or mark unique or whatever you want to call it yep unique mask and then i gave up on that and and also it wasn't really realistic it was doing it was doing insane stuff like uh like floor and ceiling being uppercase and lowercase and things like that <laughs> oh so then after, after a while and and but it also had an implementation uh like a, a model for it and you could run it on try it online um and that gives us backwards compatibility issues in the thing itself, which is not very good for that kind of thing. So Dalek Vision is more trying to be more realistic. Hmm. That's the, and there I'm not afraid of changing anything. And it's, there's a warning about that, that it might change. Um, it's not, not stable. And that's more along these lines. And there I have these, these kind of primitives to play around with. Um, yeah, you can have a look there. We'll link to that. Yep. I changed things as late as last week. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we'll continue and this discussion eventually. And another a primitive that that the reason I was kind of refraining from saying, "Oh yeah, right shoe underbar," that should just be that merging thing, even because that's a useful operation. Um, I something really down to earth, a simple thing that I would like is the last primitive, which I can round off of that because there's not <laughs> much to say about it. It's just, <laughs> It's just disclosing and taking out the, the the picking the last element of an array in rival order, just like we yeah. have a first primitive. Um, it's very simple, uh, and it's even an idiom, meaning uh, a dialogue idiom, meaning the interpreter recognizes the phrase uh, first reverse ravel." Mm. Um, not that you often need the bottom right corner of a matrix, I don't think, but the last element of a vector is really often useful. Yeah. And it's a bit awkward to write first a top reverse. And um, and often I find that I want to apply a function on a pair. So I, I, so I do it. Yeah, exactly. So I want to apply it with a reduction on that pair. So that would insert the function between, uh, between them. Um, but if I don't have to do that, because I cannot, I can just do first and last inside, say, a train and so on. That would be more elegant, than I don't have to worry about it in closing because of the reduction and things like that. So, there's some things to be thought about. It's not going anywhere right now. <laughs> Extravaganza, huh? Well, yeah, it's extravagant and uh, Anza. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can ask the the listeners and viewers to. Uh, to come with their own input and what what kind of things would they want to see you can you can email us at uh, contact at apl.show which also hints at, at our website tiny little website apl.show it's just where you can find the recordings and show notes and so on we'll continue this discussion another time for sure it's been great thank you so much richard